Hi and welcome to Shaky Sports Journeys. Appreciate you joining me again. Um, interesting subjects going to be discussed today on today's podcast. Um, however, I'll tell you a bit more of a background about this person. Uh, so Tasneem Samarkand, most people will know her as Taz, is a Pakistani Afghani who was born in New York, who ended up over in England, learned her rep stuff and played some uh, cricket for Essex Juniors as a wicketkeeper and, as a vet, and went on to become a highly knowledgeable um, cricket expert as well as commentating in different tournaments around the world. So welcome, Taz. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, listen, I need to put this out there. This has been the most <laughs> longest awaited uh, podcast out of any that I've recorded. We've probably set up about 10, 15, maybe 20 <laughs> times. I'll put my hands up and say half of them I had to cancel and Taz will be, I'm sure she's happy to admit she had to cancel a few, but it's just a, it's just a time gap, isn't it? New Zealand, like right now, what time is it? I don't even know, about 11pm. 11pm. So you've got a lovely bright morning in Scotland. You can see the sun is shining through through the window. Um, But no, look, I really appreciate it. Listen, it happens here, even even going into October. It's quite amazing. So appreciate you joining me. Um, Subject I want to discuss with you today, I'm just going to go straight into it and ask you the the million dollar question. Um, What's your thoughts on New Zealand, first and foremost, being in Pakistan and then just about to start the series and have, and cancelling and leaving the country? I mean, it's a damn damp squib, isn't it? It feels um, like the build-up. It, it probably feels like the build-up that a lot of Pakistani fans have been waiting for for a very long time. You know, there's been um, slow introductions or reintroductions of cricket into the country. Um, We've seen T20 tournaments. We've seen Pakistan playing T20 matches. Then we had the first test match relatively recently. So it felt like things had very much changed for Pakistan um, since the last 10 years. And then, you know, uh, for Pakistanis, they would have woken up that morning. For me in New Zealand, I was, you know, getting ready for an evening sesh of uh, cricket before bed. And it was just, I think, very shocking news for a lot of people to hear. Um, I know there's been a lot of anger a lot of disappointment, a lot of hurt pride, hurt feelings um, from a lot of Pakistani fans. And and I can definitely see why Um, that situation has kind of snowballed and developed. So it started off as New Zealand cancelling a tour for security reasons. And while um, I think security reasons is uh, a justification that a lot of Pakistani fans would feel a lot of empathy toward, particularly with what's happened in the country, what happened with the Sri Lankan team in um, in two thousand nine, but but with the subsequent events, you know, it was England cancelling, England cancelling particularly a, a very historic women's tour, which I think a lot of us had our eyes on. It would be the first time that the England women's side would have toured Pakistan, so it, it was due to be a really important moment for for women's cricket, an important resumption of, of cricket between England and Pakistan. So that New Zealand situation, I think, has definitely spiraled and it's become something bigger. Um, I, I think a lot of Pakistanis would have just seen one disappointing piece of news after another. It's probably best that uh, there's a little bit of time until the Australia series because it just, you know, spaces out disappointment a little bit for some people. But it's been really frustrating. Pakistan has done a lot of work for a successful resumption of cricket back in Pakistan. And I think that the sentiment that a lot of Pakistanis feel right now is um, what's enough? 
in terms of security? What, you know, what do we have to do? What do we have to show to, to show to the world of cricket that Pakistan is a safe place to play cricket? And I think one of the massive frustrations in regards to that is, um, is other players. So, you know, you might have Darren Sammy come out. And I, I know Darren Sammy, you've had him on your show before. You might have even talked about him playing in Pakistan. Um, he's been a significant part of that PSL and of the movement of bringing cricket back to Pakistan. So Darren Sammy can come out and say, Pakistan's, you know, the safest place I've ever been to. I have a blast there. It's amazing. It's, you know, it's great for cricket. Please travel. Um, but until the people who are actually playing at that time, in that tournament, in that series, until they feel comfortable, Pakistanis will always have this, this recourse of the question, you know, what do we have to do to show you that cricket can safely be played in Pakistan? So it's really frustrating. I think personally for me, um, there was massive frustration. Uh, you know, I live in New Zealand now. So seeing New Zealand tour Pakistan after Pakistan have just been here very recently would have been fantastic, even for a very short, half-hearted uh, ODI uh, one-day series. Um, the test series that they were supposed to be traveling for would have been next year. So we have yet to see what's going to happen with that, what's going to happen in the long term with Pakistan. But it's really disappointing to um, have cricketing relationships that you feel may be falling through. And I think that's the sentiment that a lot of Pakistanis probably feel. Yeah, I know it's, um, it's, uh, it's really it's very, very frustrating. Um, I think from my point of view, I think I feel sorry for the Kiwis. Because I think Kiwi people have shown and shown around the world that they're good, you know, good people. We've seen when the the tragic events of the terrorist attack that happened um, in New Zealand, um, you know, the the support of the, all the people in the nation, you know, they were they came together as one. Um, I think, you know, it's, I don't want to bring him into any controversy, but I spoke to Ish Shodi just just recently, and he was actually sat in Islamabad at the time. He was uh, he was in quarantine. But he had arrived there and he had nothing but, you know, very safe, you know, secure all the way from the airport to the to the, the hotel. And, and everything's been, you know, brilliant. I've been looked after. Excellent. I just think this is bigger than bigger than New Zealand cricket. I, I, I'm I, I'm I'm going to I've tweeted it already and I've said that I think there's politics very much involved. And I just think there's. We'll not, we don't know the truth as, as of yet, but I just think there's other factors that are going to be involved. Um, the way England just pulled out, I thought, was was very kind of shameful. Uh, and it's good to see the likes of Michael Atherton, etc., really being quite vocal about it because Pakistan came here in the middle of the pandemic. Nobody wanted to come. Pakistan and the West Indies came. But how much is that to do with the fact that these people don't have the same finance as the likes of India and the English cricketers, who probably can quite easily say, oh, we'll just sit that one out and, and we're okay. I don't think these other countries can do that and afford to lose that kind of revenue. Um, I mean, what's your, what's, what's your thoughts on, on the way the ECB pulled out? I, I think that, you know, a lot of people threw around a lot of uh, uh, weighty words like shameful or pusillanimous, and I can absolutely understand where they're coming from. Um one thing that I do want to highlight is something that I felt very, um, very heartened by was the reaction from English media by and large. So I, others was far from the only person who questioned that decision and, and made some, you know, potent points about this isn't really cricket. You know, we've, we've had 
um, an exchange of promises uh, and, and they haven't really been delivered on of where's cricket going to go if, if we start pulling out of, of bilateral tours, of, um, of, of reciprocal tours. And I think that English uh, cricket in terms of the media has really shown itself to um, try and hold some of these decisions to account in whatever way they can. So I think that's really heartening to see for the cricket world in general, that uh, if cancellations happen, if the um, structures of world cricket that, and, and you know, you're from an associate country, so we can absolutely talk about how associates fit into that picture in a minute, but but how the structure of world cricket impacts different countries um, in different ways. And, and the more cricket is becoming weighted in a way that we see certain teams playing against each other with more frequency and other teams, you know, rarely play. The more that that's happening, I think the more pushback cricket's community is is giving um, in response to that. And and while, you know, we can't really make boards listen to us, we can't make the ICC pay attention, but there are absolutely things that consumers can engage in. With the cricket media, they raise their voices up. There's other ways that we can raise our voices. We can, we can boycott things. We can support things. There's so many range of things that we could do as individuals for what we believe in. But I think that the most heartening thing for me is that no one's really said, yeah, this is cool tours should be cancelled left, right and centre. There are valid reasons. I think particularly with England's um, justification of the COVID bubble, I I have so much empathy for that argument that the bubbles must be really atrocious. I've I've watched them. So when the West Indies side and the Pakistan side toured New Zealand last year, they they had probably one of the strictest um, quarantine situations that's going or that was going in world cricket at that time. Um, those guys really suffered. Those two teams had been doing it for pretty much an entire year. Uh, in this pandemic time, Sri Lanka have, have been in bubbles pretty much constantly. The West Indies have spent a lot of time in bubbles. Pakistan have done the exact same. So I have a lot of empathy for that argument. Uh, it's quite inhumane to lock people up. That's why we often reserve it just you know, for prison. So it's a difficult thing for anyone to do, um, particularly when you do have to go on lengthy tours halfway across the world, be far away from your family, your friends, uh, at a time of global strife. So I have a lot of time and empathy and sympathy for that argument. But that argument quickly falls away when we think about the fact that that we're picking and choosing which bubbles it's convenient for us to be in and where our breaks need to be. I think the real concern for the ECB is that debt is the jealousy of world cricket. So I, I think everybody would really struggle to believe that England are not fully capable of putting out some kind of one day side that is both competitive and will not have to worry about maybe ashes bubbles and, you know, a, a month or so later. So, so I think that argument from England was really disappointing to hear, but it if does. I bring know, up- I did, sorry, to, sorry, to interrupt, sorry to interrupt you. If I throw this out there then, when the IPL bubble comes up, how many people do you think are going to burst out of that bubble? So it's it, it's commercial decisions, right? And and so look, you're a former cricketer, so let's let's be very um, let's be very frank about this. I have a lot of time for people's commercial considerations. Now you're from an associate country, and if you guys don't make money somewhere, you're sure as hell not going to do it making playing cricket. You know that's that's the absolute truth of it. So I hope George Mundy goes to as many T20 competitions as he can possibly fathom all across the world. Now, the situation becomes different when we look at test playing nations and we watch people um, pick pick those commercial interests over playing for their country. Um, but at the same time, being, again, completely and totally honest, 
people have houses to pay for, they have children to feed, they have families to take care of. And, and I think that theoretical idea of a, um, of a flag on your chest, you know, three lines on your shirt, whatever country you come from, that theoretical idea is real nice, but, but it's not really what makes the world go round, Right. And it's yeah, not, it's not the baseline of human. So even with, with, with people choosing to play the IPL, I can't get mad at cricketers for doing that. I can't fault them for doing that. Who amongst us would not do that in our professional careers, make a move that, that is more financially lucrative for you and your household. You know, it, it, it's, it's literally common sense for, for things that we all engage in. So I don't even really have a problem with cricketers choosing to play the IPL um, okay. and maybe giving up national duty, not in principle anyway, not in terms of a choice. The thing that I have a real issue with, I can't force players to, to play things that they don't want to or they don't um, you know, want to get anything out of. What I do have a problem with is that world cricket hinges on our international structure. This is the only thing that keeps it alive. Uh, world cricket will not survive from the IPL or the Ashes or whatever enterprise that we think might be more commercially lucrative for, for certain countries to engage in. It's not going to work like that. Those, those will just become small little, you know, cabals of a, of a sport. It won't be international cricket as we know it. If we start pulling out of relationships that have firm commitments, commitments that include, um, finances um, that have already been spent, um, shared financial responsibilities, liabilities that, that might hit you a lot harder when you have to cancel something. So when we've got enterprises and, and, and relationships and commitments like that, when we start to pull away from those commitments, then what is international cricket really resting on? Which commitments do we know that we will follow through on? Do we just have a guarantee for, for the ashes? And, you know, maybe if, um, if England, India, um, Australia are playing important test matches. And so we know that those will get pulled out on. I don't think that that's actually in anybody's interest. I don't think I, I've heard a lot of conversation around this time about what the big three are doing to cricket. I, I don't think it's necessarily as nefarious or intentionally nefarious as we sometimes think that. I, I think it's a lot of people making commercial decisions and making short-term commercial decisions. You know, you see a financial boost in, in the next five years. That's great. What's going to happen to the sport in 20 years? What's going to happen in 40 years? Because the pathway that, that we are all already on, it's not just about these cancellations that have happened to Pakistan recently, but that pathway that we're all already on means that that international structure is, is already devolving. Um, you know, Pakistan might be upset about these, these canceled um, uh, series at this moment, but they're not the only team who have seen cancellations. There are other teams who have suffered. Maybe the reasoning has been COVID. Maybe it's been bubble fatigue. You know, maybe it's been, um, oh, it just doesn't make sense with our schedule, which is now oversaturated somehow. So whatever excuse we pulled out, we've used excuses. Um, it's not the first time. It's not just because of security concerns or COVID. So, so this is a problem that we're going to see all over. Now, our real issue is that our sport hinges on making money in, in, in certain avenues and in certain places and in certain doses. So we all do better when, when our opponents, um, basically when our opponents are teams that stimulate people to watch, so there's big draw trick teams. And I'm sad to say that not all of us are always touring, um, as big draw countries, right? So I will give the example of Pakistan. When Pakistan came to New Zealand, I would talk to Kiwis and I'd be like, oh yeah, you know, cricket summer, cricket summer starting, and they'd be like, oh, yeah, but it's just West Indies and Pakistan. It's just West Indies and Pakistan. And, um, I mean, if you're talking about cricket, that's a pretty insane sentence. I mean, I'm old enough to remember. Yeah, they're, 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 they're also the most exciting 
nations you yeah. can join. Yeah. And for me personally, you know, if I'm in a country in West Indies and Pakistan are touring that year, I'm like, great. That's, that's like my summer mate. That's awesome. It's incredible. So it was disappointing to hear, but I know where it's coming from. You know, I know um, how that mentality has been brought about. I know that when Australia tour, there will be a natural social incentive to, to engage in those matches where they've got a rivalry, they've got a history. They don't have the same connection with the West Indies or Bangladesh that, that they may have with Australia. So, so, you know, some of it's normal, some of it's natural, some of it makes sense, like what we see with India and Pakistan. We've got such a rich history between those two countries and between that region in general. So Pakistan-India matches are always absolutely electric. We, it would be sad for us to have an opponent play Pakistan and be like, oh, yeah, but it's not India, so whatever. But, but that's where we're getting, and it's not just in, in one country or two. It's pretty much all over. So one of the things that I've um, talked to a lot of people about when they've been discussing this Pakistan cancellation issue with me is that I think that respect um, that belongs to the teams that, that respect you enough to tour, that respect you enough to play cricket with you, that respect the sport enough to try and institute partnerships that grows it, I think that we just need to be treating them with a lot more respect. So I don't really ever want to hear the phrase, oh, it's just this team touring. It's really disappointing. And particularly for someone who, who has, um, you know, done a lot of her work in associate cricket. I've got the Netherlands coming over here later this year. And, and so I know for me, that's going to be, if I, if I have a conversation with Kiwis, oh, you know, the Netherlands are coming. This is inc- amazing, incredible. It's going to be great. You guys are going to get to see some great players up close and personal. It'll, I'll get blind faces. So, so I wanted to bring this around to the associate conversation because really, really at the core of everything, so long as cricket retains this post, post-colonial structure where only certain countries play and our power is concentrated in certain ways, we're not democratic, we're not equitable. So as long as we've got that structure, I don't really see any other thing happening for our sport. So, you know, a lot of what you and I have done is try and grow the game in places that might not be considered traditional cricketing countries. So it's been a focus for, for a lot of both of our work. And um, that without that stuff, without cricket going beyond the, the current 12 nations that, that play test cricket, well, that's it. Those 12 nations fall away to those who can afford to play test cricket, which is pretty much four of them at this time, maybe five, five at this time. Pakistan's probably, um, you know, wealthy enough or to, to be okay with test cricket for a little bit. But when your opponents start falling away, then what you're doing is just playing with each other. And then the interest in test cricket in general probably starts to fall away too. So so I think that unless we make some serious changes, and that's the Pakistan situation's been a massive flag for that, we are probably looking at a slow demise of, of the structure of international cricket. Yeah, it's um, very interesting. Sorry, Mr. No, it's very, it's very interesting, and hence why I was um, I was keen to get to get you on because I know your knowledge is I can I can tell since we've been engaged over social media, I've started following your work. You know, I hear when you talk about these things, you have more knowledge and depth than I do for sure. I'm a bit more um, maybe some conspiracy theories fall into me. I've not thrown any out there yet. But yeah. I mean, from, my, from my point, from my point of view, and everything that you just said, I agree with it. I, I, I really do agree with everything you said. But this bubble that was coming up was a very short bubble compared to some of the yeah. other bubbles that have been going on, and the fact that this country came over 
in a time, like you said, while you were you were mentioning that, probably in the strictest bubble for quite a long series, a very long series actually. Compared to that, I just I can't my sympathy doesn't fall. My sympathy on the, the black cap situation, I think there's been a been a been a threat made that probably wasn't that much of a threat, hence why Pakistan yeah. and even the Prime Minister has phoned Imran Khan has phoned Jacinda um, Arden to say to her that everything's okay. But at the same time, if you get spooked like that and you've got your players over there, I can understand the panic where it's just like, oh, if something happens here, that this would this would fall on me. So we, you know, we need to go. I think with the ECB, um, I just think it was it, it just wasn't wasn't really any reasoning given the COVID bubble. I as much as I honestly appreciate it's been hard. I just think that bubble was... And like you say, England could pick a second. It would have been a bit sad not to see their best players, but they've pretty much done that in the series. Um, yeah, they did. When they just played over in England, when they all got COVID, there was another team drafted in in seconds and they turned Pakistan over. So that shows... I'm the- sorry, but England could field an MCC 11 and it would be competitive. I know I am very biased, but 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 that's it, it's exactly what we saw, right? We saw a side that was pulled together last minute. And and this is the things we know the strength that England has in white ball cricket. It's, it's definitely not nothing. It's not nothing at all. We are constantly in England debating and fighting over which which um, player deserves that spot because there's about seven to pick from. Yeah. Um, I think depth is unreal just now in English. English it's unreal. Depth. It's incredible. It's, it's amazing to watch. And and I, um, you know, a lot of these guys that would have been traveling, they're people that that I've had the pleasure of seeing in England up close and personal. And and what I really want for Pakistani cricket fans is them to just actually get to see live cricket. Properly, not in this haphazard way where, you know, they might get a series and everyone's like, oh, yeah, cricket back in Pakistan, cricket back in Pakistan, you know, and then maybe six months later, there'll be a debate. Oh, is it safe? I don't know. Should we check? We'll send this expert team. So 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 for those Pakistanis who keep asking the question again and again and again, what can we do to show to people? And it's not it's not all teams because. A varied range of teams have been touring Pakistan since about yeah, I mean, 2017, 2016, 2017 now. SL, we've had overseas players now. It's not really a, a, a no. big thing now. It's kind of back to normal. Sri Lanka, Bangladesh, Bangladesh West Indies, South Africa, World Eleven. you know, like most of half the England players, like you said, at the PSL. So, so, but yet this question keeps coming up of, oh, is it safe? Is it safe? Is it safe? Um, We look up. I passed an armed robbery today in New Zealand, in sleepy small town New Zealand, an armed robbery. I've never seen an armed robbery in Pakistan. And the point of that is not to say, oh, New Zealand's not as safe as Pakistan. The point of that is to say anything happens anywhere. It's kind of a crazy world that we live in. Yeah. And, and some crazy stuff happens pretty much all over the world. There are no guarantees for anything. What we do have is a situation and politically. So, so we have the cricket conversation, but then we also have a political conversation and really safety and security is a conversation that I hear a lot of cricket people um, uh, displaying their opinions on, Um, but I'm not really sure where they're coming from because I'm not really sure, not really sure where, where a lot of the cricketing community have gotten enough information to have an actual opinion about the security or safety situation in Pakistan. Um, most of us, um, conspiracy sorry, conspiracy theories, memes. Well, actually, uh, you know what it is? It's 30 seconds of CNN or BBC headlines once every three years. 
that's what it is. That's, that's when the average person, not people of Pakistani origin or, or people who work in the region or, or in different fields that intersect, the average person, well, what do they really know about anywhere else outside of the world other than their own place? Um, I know we all like to, to, you know, front like globalization has meant that we actually know everything about everyone and everywhere. Um, but that's absolutely not the case at all. So I've heard a lot of like robust, strong opinions from people uh, talking about, I think my favorite one was someone talking about how they studied international politics at university and um, they learned that Pakistan was the least safe place in the Middle East, um, which is really remarkable because, I mean, first it would have to be in the Middle East to be the least safe place in the Middle East. But but so so my point is like a lot of opinions from people who don't really know anything, so, but, but with with absolute certainty in the belief in those opinions. So this is actually really a political question. What is the situation in Pakistan? And, and does it mean that we should be trying to play cricket there? And that's actually not a question of instances and incidences and circumstances. That is a question of day-to-day life. And in terms of day-to-day life, whether or not it's safe enough to, that's, that is actually the perspective that the PSL has shown you, the other uh, series have shown you that Darren Sammy spending half his, goddamn life uh, for the last five years in Pakistan has shown you or whatever. So so on a day-to-day level, of course it's safe. Whether or not um, a newly registered email address might send um, Martin Guptill's wife on her um, email from her website, which is literally info at, at Laura McGoldrick. Like, I mean, if you, if that's like something that can happen in terms of a threat, yeah. That can happen anywhere. Um, crazy people, hoaxes, genuine threats. There's a big range of things that can absolutely happen everywhere. But where it's a political question of is Pakistan safe and stable for things to happen, for events to go on in Pakistan? I, I guess the question that cricket has to ask itself is why does it keep asking itself this? Or why do we keep asking is Pakistan safe enough? When, I don't know, everybody from the English royal family to to Michael Owen to, you know, every other type of human being in the world hasn't engaged that question. So it really seems to be one that we limit to cricket because, um, you know, over the last few weeks with the situation in Afghanistan unfolding, Pakistan has, of course, been been the country that has um, assisted almost all NATO partners uh, in the region to be able to remove their citizens, extract their citizens safely from Afghanistan, return them to to whatever country, including New Zealand, including England. So all all over the world, we have instances of um, of Pakistan being able to, in these last few weeks, move citizens to safety. So from a political level, this is the same country that in the same week, we are saying is safe enough to move sensitive government assets out of Afghanistan, but not safe enough for, for Martin Guptill. And that's a really interesting philosophical question to me. What um, what safety or security threats can there be in this world that don't care about her royal highness or whatever her title is, Kate Middleton, but do care about Martin Guptill? So it, it's a politically strange question. In all honesty, I think I think if you are in those in those spheres in in, in international politics and in international law, you would probably ask yourself, "Hang on a minute." So why is cricket really the only time we're saying, is Pakistan safe? It's safe enough to move government assets out of. It's safe enough to actually work with those intelligence agencies for for our own um, Western intelligence agencies. It's pretty much safe enough for everything else. Um, I I think there was a BBC report that I saw the other day about a a bunch of American biker women 
like a group of 60 American biker chicks uh, touring the north of Pakistan. So, so literally, it is absolutely safe for all the rest of us. I guess the question is, what is it about cricket that means that Pakistan is apparently the one place that you can't play anything? And I think that is where Pakistani's frustration is coming from, because um, it seems safe enough for the West Indian players. So what is it about West Indian yeah, lives? I don't, I don't know if it's confirmed, but I know Sri Lanka have, have just done it. And this is the Sri Lankan team that this happened to. I mean, we're talking 10 plus, 10 plus years ago now. Um, but you're right. That's very interesting the way you just summed that up, that everything I don't else, think people should be forced. Every- I, I, I don't think people should be forced at all. But it is a really weird, interesting question. And I wonder how much of it is is because cricket's opinions of its of its um other countries that play its sport are real mired in colonialism, like really, really stuck in some very old fashioned ideas. It's why I still in the year 2021 hear the phrase Calypso Calypso thrown around. So so cricket is so intimately tied to a certain history. I wonder if that sometimes keeps us one eyed um, with with whether or not certain countries are, are safe enough to play in. It's a question and I think it's food for thought because Really, we're not going to get any answers out of uh, the cancellations that we have seen or that we've witnessed in, in the last few weeks. Um, I don't think that they're ever going to be publicly spoken about. I don't think that there's going to be any public accountability necessarily for them. Um, I definitely don't blame, you know, the New Zealand players for, for feeling uncomfortable. Not, not a massive fan of the way that New Zealand cricket handled the situation. I think it was very poorly handled. It was borderline unprofessional um, and I think that in most commercial relationships, that would not be a commercial entity that you engage with again in other avenues. Because we've got to remember that sport is not, it's not about national pride. It's still a commercial enterprise. It's a business. Um, you know, we're all employees of, of something. So, so in terms of a commercial entity, if, if that's an entity I was engaging with, and I think many professionals would say the same thing, if your entity pulled out last minute, no, no partnership, no um, communication, no working together to come up with any solutions and just bailed on you while asking for your help to bail as quickly as possible, um, whilst also being publicly quite rude to you and about you, I don't think that's an entity that, that many of us would be eager to work with. So for me, the way that New Zealand cricket has handled this, they're going to have to um, do a lot of work to institute goodwill. I've seen I've seen New Zealand cricket release some statements about how their relationship with Pakistan cricket is so good and they've got such strong friendships and and they'll work together on the same day that the PCB is releasing statements that are very strong, strong minded, strong handed um, and don't suggest that same you know positive relationship that the New Zealand cricket statement is, is suggesting. So I think that there's going to have to be a lot of work done. Um, I think England have probably done even worse. New Zealand found themselves in a situation that was unfamiliar and difficult to deal with, and they may not have have pulled it off with utmost grace, but I think it's a situation that everybody has a lot more empathy for, naturally. England's is, is a whole other kettle of fish, and it's very disappointing to speak to Pakistani fans particularly as a British Pakistani and, and, you know, have this conversation turned around um, where, oh, well, we've done so much for you guys. We've, we've come to tour England when this is happening. We gave you a, a five match series right before the world cup at last minute um, for you to, to, to get the ball rolling for the, for the 2019 world cup. So, so they've got a bunch of a, a list of reasons of why that relationship should not have been damaged in the way that it was. And, and, and they're pretty valid. 
So a lot of work's going to have to be done. I think that the Seem Khan is a smart enough individual to not let the, the disrespect color the way that he will handle himself professionally. And we need a lot of cool heads in cricket right now. It's very frustrating. And at, often at times it does feel actively disrespectful to you, your, your country, your, your um, you know, cricketing history, whatever the case might be. But I don't think that that's the productive way to handle this. This is a commercial enterprise and everyone is going to start suffering the same if, if it becomes an eye for an eye, which makes the whole world blind, right? So we've really got to think about the way that we tackle this. Um, cool heads have to prevail. What I'm worried about at the moment is in the background of everything that's happening is simultaneously the ICC's bid for, for cricket to enter the Olympics. So I would think that this is a time where the sport really needs to get its own internal ducks in a row before showcasing to, to the rest of the world. A lot of food for thought there. lot of food for thought. I'm going to move into a subject. I'm going to put it out to you in a, in a, in a way that I think would be quite a smart thing to do. Obviously, you're right. You've mentioned already I come from Scotland. Um and we're an associate country, as are you know the Netherlands that you're talking about that are going to be coming to New Zealand. I just think right now there's an opportunity for a country like one of them to go to Pakistan to tour, show you know, get their profiles lifted significantly more. You go to Pakistan and you maybe turn a Pakistan over in their home, and you know that that would make world cricket really stand up. Yes, the mindset could be, well, if it isn't safe for England and it isn't safe for the Black Caps, you know, why should we go? I get that argument. But there hasn't actually been anything that's officially happened to ECB or to the Black Caps, apart from a hoax, email or whatever it might have been, that has jeopardised that. And in recent times, we've seen clearly, you've mentioned the PSL, you've mentioned South Africa coming, West Indies coming, Sri Lanka have been back since... Without any, I don't know if the West Indies, was that a wrong one? The West Indies have been as well, haven't they? They did. So they the West did, yeah. Indies have been, no issues, no hiccups, all went pretty smooth. All of them are, you know, so many people, so many players took to Twitter, etc., and said, I've only ever had a good experience in Pakistan. So there's no doubting what happened in Pakistan to the Sri Lankan team was a, was a, was a tragedy. And, you know, the backlash of that is obviously they felt it significantly. But the likes of Michael Atherton went and did the documentary with Imran Khan. And, you know, it was all building forward. And I just feel now it's quite scary that is this going to take another five years to fix or another 10 years to fix? Because how much more can you really do? But is there an opportunity for them to engage with a Cricket Scotland or a, or a Netherlands cricket and say, we guarantee your safety. Why don't you come for a series and, you know, take it from there? So I'm gonna I'm gonna try and answer this question. Um, it's got a lot the of questions in there. It's got a lot of questions. Yeah, in there. yeah. I, I'm just trying to think about what I should say and what I shouldn't say. Um, so let me put it this way: the PCB has extended its hand um, of friendship historically to every single board going, and those who have toured are the ones who have, have, have said yes in the end, for whatever reasons they may be. Whether, whether test nations or associate nations consider their lives to be of different value than the West Indians, 
or the South Africans or the Sri Lankans or the Bangladesh, you know, you can keep going on or the Zimbabweans. So, so whether certain countries think that their lives are worth something different, I couldn't tell you, but I can tell you that they are very insistent that they should be paid differently to the West Indians. So I think we can all sit on the outside and say, yeah, you know what? Let's be friends with the associates because these guys get our pain. This issue is not just about cricket. This is also about that bigger, wider, global political issue where um, we do seem to give different regard to different people and different worth to different people. So I don't think that we're going to be set five years back because the countries that have been touring Pakistan have been touring Pakistan for the last few years. What Who remains to tour at this stage is obviously India since you know, bilateral cricketing relations are, are currently not happening between those two. England, Australia, New Zealand. That's it, I believe. Afghanistan. Sorry, Afghanistan. Yeah. Afghanistan have not toured. Um, and again, pretty hard to when I guess you're part of an, an alliance that's currently, um, you know, Ongoing. actively in a war in Europe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's a lot of political reasons there. But everyone's been. It's really just England, Australia, New Zealand, and, and India who haven't been. And I think that this is part of Pakistan's eagerness to, to get these three remaining teams to tour. But I think now the question has to be, but why these three teams? Why, why do teams see their lives as being of different worth? And what's fascinating, really, is that are their lives of different worth when Colin Monroe is playing in Islamabad for, for Islamabad United or when Luke Ronke is He's got a PSL shirt on instead of his Black Caps coaching shirt. It's We've got to be really honest with a lot of the issues that we're seeing. They are a mix of commercial problems and a mixture of the structure of, of both the world and what cricket has, has been born out of. There have been inequitable relationships in cricket throughout its history. Um, if you want to talk about the issue of racism in cricket, it's, it's a lot bigger than BLM and kneeling or not kneeling for a match and then forgetting about it and, and, and whatever, however, cricket, cricket can be proud of how it's engaged with race. Um, but I think that bar is real low. If you're proud of, of, of our bare minimum engagement with race, these issues have been going on for so long and they affect and permeate each of us in every one of our countries. Australia sees it with its indigenous population. They might also really see it with players like Usman Khwaja, who, who are um, of, you know, foreign ethnic origin or whatever. Um, you know, you could go through every single country. India has a problem of casteism. This is not about casting stones on individual countries. These are human problems. And the sports engagement with them has been so superficial um, that it might get good ratings and it might make a really cool award-winning documentary, but substantively, what are we actually doing? Because we do have a structure of world cricket that is, is born from England's colonial history. Those are the countries that play. Those are our test playing nations, uh, with the exception of Afghanistan, which has its own significant history. And, and, um, and really, at some stage, we have to address if, if associate nations partnership is the way forward for countries like the West Indies, Pakistan, Bangladesh, people who get their series cancelled on them. When, when it's not convenient or it doesn't fit into um, a certain board's plan of action or plan of direction. So these guys could absolutely partner up with associate cricket. What does that really do for the big three other than completely devalue and destabilize the concept and idea of being a test playing nation? If you don't have this exclusive club of test playing nations, 
then there is no status to be derived from being a test flying nation. There's no financial incentive to come from being a test flying nation. It might be where, where the sport is naturally heading anyway in terms of its natural evolution, but we're definitely throwing some accelerator on the fire with, with things like this. So while I very much respect associate nations and, and, and I would, if test cricket is the pathway that they want to pursue and follow for their country, super behind that, hope it works out for them. But this is not the first time, uh, or it wouldn't, it, your suggestion is not the first time the idea of cricketing nations that are on that lower rung, um, supporting or working with associate nations that has come up. And in Pakistan's case, um, you know, Pakistan has very much knows on certain terms been told that that for certain countries to tour, they would have to pony up a lot more cash than they're expected to uh, for countries like the West Indies, countries like Zimbabwe, countries like Sri Lanka. And that's a really, really, really disappointing ideology to be aware of that we have amongst our boards. I still, as a, as a, as a casual, um, would love to see a Cricket Scotland, um, jump on a plane, go over, have a great experience, get treated like royalty. I mean, actually, just recently, Safian Sharif, uh, Michael Leask, both went over for the MCC yeah. when that tour yeah. happened. Both. It's another tour it was safe enough for, you know. Yeah. And, and and Sangakara, who again would have been part of he, you know, part of everything that his country felt and the, and the the pain they went through, he still was an ambassador for it, as you've mentioned a few times, Dad and Sammy. You've mentioned a lot of things that are food for thought, I think. You know, we we don't really know what the, the real answer is, but there's issues there. You're right, commercial is a, is a big part of this. It does come down to, to money and, you know, TV rights and so many things. There's so much money involved when you bring India, England and Australia into the picture. And obviously, naturally, Pakistan are desperate to have, and they were due to have all pretty much all three, apart from India, um, come over to play, and that's now gone. I would imagine Australia will be another hangover of this, and they probably won't come as well. So it's going to be felt. Why not? A cricket Scotland slip in the back door. Hopefully they can come to an agreement that's quite financially viable for the boys. I'm sure they'd be making more than what probably they make just playing the associate countries and get over there, turn over Pakistan, and make ECB, Black Caps, and some other countries maybe reevaluate what their, you know, where their priorities are. Um, and maybe it will, boat, it will boost the game in Scottish cricket as well. How many new fans would they get Would they get from that if they went over and some of their players performed? You know, the way Pakistanis, Indians, we all, how much they love the cricket with passion. So that's just my little sweetie jar thing that I would love to see. But I get where you're coming from as well. It's been, um, it's been really insightful. I think you've given a lot of very strong points with facts and knowledge behind it rather than maybe me who can sometimes go a little bit more on the conspiracy theory. I'm annoyed about it. I am annoyed about it. I have my views, but I don't like to be too political, especially because none of it is coming from, we don't know the truth. We don't know 100%. But I do think there is politics involved somewhere or another another along the way here. And I just would like to think that this can be, like you say, Basim Khan is probably a good guy to be in charge of it. He seems quite a level-headed guy. I would cause havoc right now if I was in his position and probably go. I'd like things on fire. Yeah, like yeah I would just get annoyed. Let's not say that because you'll get in, I could get in trouble if I say something like that. But I mean, proverbially, I would. Proverbially, of yeah, course. Yeah, <laughs> not literally, proverbially. You'd be, really, you'd be really annoyed. The effort they must have put in to having these teams over 
and the preparation and the security. I mean, I think the security took it, you know, the army took it personally as well. You know, I, I honestly think worse than all of that is the fact that Pakistan are now going into a world T20 competition with one game in what the last six, six months, six months, but maybe a little what? bit more than that. How Pakistani, that. how Pakistani would it be with everything that's happening for them to turn up and when now don't get me wrong I would like to see a few changes because I like the way they've responded with this national T20 Cup I've been watching a bit of that and there's been some good cricket on show but I do think selection needs to maybe be reconsidered for a couple of players i.e. for me a Shweb Malik has to cut you know has to be considered a Wahab Riaz I think you know these are big tournament players I think you may just get your wish. Awesome. I think I might. I think I might. I think you may so just get I, your I, wish. Fingers crossed, but nothing. But that's the whole point, me. right? Of practice, of tours, um, you know, right before a World Cup. That is literally the point. We all want to know what the right selection will be, um, fine-tuning between players, seeing who's in form. And Pakistan has had one match against the West Indies. Everything else against the West Indies rained out. Then we've had uh, the cancelled New Zealand series, the cancelled England series. So, so they're going to be going into a World Cup effectively with nothing but domestic cricket under their belts for that. Um, they will be pretty much the only people in the world doing that. So I, I think it would be exceptionally Pakistani for them to do something. I, I just think that they've probably got um, a few things to stew about because it, it's you can't really have a bilateral sport that's dependent on those relationships. Like, for instance, getting in 10 to 12 practice matches before a series and every single one of those relationships falls away. So it's definitely, I don't think there are really any answers that anyone has right now, but I would be wary of um, people who are so adamant about, about knowledge about a country that they, that they know very little about outside of the news um, that they have no, no personal understanding of, that they have no cultural understanding of. Um, and, And I think broader issues that we're seeing in cricket in general, I think, I think anybody who feels that they have a definitive answer for the stuff that we're seeing, they might be very premature in in deciding that there's a definitive answer. Everything's a question right now, but most of us know what the questions are. It's just finding some scope to to arrive at those answers. Yeah, no, I think, and I hope we see those answers quicker rather than one year, two years, three years, because that would just be, that would be really, uh, it really would be harsh on the likes of Pakistan because I know you can see from the outside that the, the work that's gone into getting cricket back there. Um, so fingers are all crossed. Ultimately, me and you, we love the game of cricket and we just want to see harmony and cricket getting played all around the world. Um, but if Scotland don't win the T20 World Cup, I'm going to put it out there right now that my money's on Pakistan. Nothing would surprise me. You know, 1992, they had no right winning that World Cup. Really no right. <laughs> Even halfway through, they had no right winning that World Cup. And a bit of rain came, the luck changed, and Pakistani cricket set into overdrive. So nothing would surprise me. Nothing would surprise me. Look, I really appreciate you coming on so late at night as well on your side of uh, your side of the world. It's been uh, it's been very insightful to listen to you. I'm glad we finally got it done. Let's not leave it as long next time. We should record, record something else. But thank you very much for coming on. Here's to Safyan Sharif taking three wickets at Ralpindi. Listen, definitely. The new Ralpindi Express with some Scottish blood, you know, Scottish blood in them. That would be that would be great. That would be great to see. Thanks, Taz. Thank you.